Hey guys, this is Rocky, and you're listening to the God Loves Miami podcast. I want to welcome you to today's episode, and I also want to encourage you to follow us on social media at God Loves Miami on Instagram and Facebook so that you can find out all that we are about and what God is calling us to do in our city. And now here's Pastor Mark. Two years ago, my son Joshua wanted a pair of Beats headphones. And um, I'm like, you're crazy. They're too expensive. You're going to lose them. You're going to break them. And then he went and convinced like several family members to put money together for Christmas. And he got a pair of Beats for, for, his, uh, for Christmas. And, um, and he's, uh, you know, entrepreneur, very successful man in the future. I'm just hoping that he channels his persuasiveness to, to good, right? Right, Josh? And um, my son Caleb is sometimes uh, not aware of certain things, and, of, and he's a very easy, typical man. I, I see Caleb, and I, I think of like the typical man that watches ESPN, and he'll go to the store with a shirt with a hole in it and has no clue. Um, and he's a happy guy, but I saw Caleb with these like messed up headphones, and I'm like, Caleb's birthday is in February. He's not going to ask for a pair of Beats, and he's not going to recruit family members. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to use my abilities to get things at cheap prices and to negotiate uh, to get Caleb a pair of limited edition red Beats. And as you can tell, I'm holding a box, right? And uh, so Caleb, on his birthday, um, I was able to give him a pair of Beats, but... Um, right before, I was kind of getting nervous because I, I couldn't find any. Nothing was on sale, eBay, uh, OfferUp, and then finally I get an alert that a pair of Beats have been put up on OfferUp, and I meet the guy. The guy wants 150 bucks, and I'm like, bro, I just have 95, you know, because that's how you do it. And, and he's like, all right, you know, I drove all the way from Miami Beach, I guess, and I'm like, but you need to let me open it. It was sealed in the box. And he's like, bro, look, special edition, product red. I mean, they're brand new. I bought them for a friend. They didn't want it. I lost the receipt. He gave me tremenda muela. And, uh, and, so I'm, and I'm like, but yeah, but I need to see him. He goes, if you open it, then I, I'm not going to be able to sell it. And I, you made me drive here from Miami Beach. Just give me the 95 bucks. And I take it. And I get home. And I give it to, oh, you guys already know the rest of the story, right? I get home and I open the box and, and, and this looks exactly like Joshi's box, right? Exactly like Joshi's box. And then I, I things start looking kind of weird and then I, Caleb opens the case and he's like, but papi, uh, is this supposed to be like this? And, and like the plastic was like coming apart. It's like off red, kind of more orange than red. And I'm like, oh my God. Like this dude I got had, like, you know, and, um, and, but, but I didn't say anything because I was embarrassed and then I didn't want to get in trouble, right? Because if my wife knows that I spent 95 bucks on a pair of fake uh, beats, then I'd be in big trouble. And, and so I'm like, oh, you know, man, it happens. And I kind of snapped it back together. And, and like a day later, I see Caleb listening to music and one of the, the headphone cushions are missing. And I'm like, buddy, what happened, Poppy? I'm so sorry. I broke them. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, you got to be more careful, you know, <laughs> right? And then I'm like, bring it. And he brings me the thing. And there's no way that I can put Then I get Gorilla Glue. And I, I'd never used Gorilla Glue before. And I didn't know that when you use Gorilla Glue that it kind of swells up. 
And so then he was wearing it with all this orange stuff coming out of it. And, and I felt terrible, not just because this guy had taken me for like a fool, but because I had given my son a pair of fake headphones. And you see, on the outside, it looked real. But when I saw what was on the inside, it was fake. It wasn't authentic. And that's what we're going to talk about today. See, all of us in our life, we've, maybe, you know, they told you that it was like, you know, swordfish and it ended up being tilapia, you know, or, or maybe you bought something thinking it was genuine. Maybe it was a purse, ladies, you know, I see all these ladies walking around Hialeah with like, you know, Louis Vuitton and I'm like, mira, you can't be wearing chancletas from Vatsang and a Louis Vuitton purse and expect me to believe that they're real, right? And so there's a lot of counterfeits out there, but for some reason, if you put the word real in front of it, right, then, then, then you think it's real. I remember when I, I went to Turkey a couple years ago and um, I brought a picture. We have the picture? Genuine fake watches. I'm like, what is that? Genuine fake watches. And, and so I walk up to the guy and I'm like, what's genuine fake watches? And he's like, oh, we got Rolex. We got, you know, uh, Tag Heuer. And he had all these different kinds. And I'm like, so are they genuine and are they fake? And he goes, genuine fake. <laughs> right? And so we live in a world where so much is counterfeit. Happiness is counterfeit. And the people that we think we know... We see them in other places and it's like, oh my gosh, that's him or that's her. And young people many times feel that they have to put on this facade to pretend to be something that they're not. I mean, and, and marketers know exactly how to get us, right? They just put real in front of it. You know, there was a time when Coke used to be called the real thing. And now when we read the back of the can, we're all hooked to Coke, but everything is fake. I want to talk to you today about what James has to say about real faith. What is real faith? So many people claim to be Christian, and yet we know that they're not really Christian. They're not really followers of Jesus. In this passage, James talks to us about the difference between being a real and a counterfeit Christian, an authentic believer and a fake believer. He talks about how to have real faith. This is the most controversial and misunderstood passage of the Bible, all right? Of, of all the books in the Bible, there's people, there's different Christians that argue about this passage. And, and here's what James has to say. The entire New Testament teaches us that we're saved by faith alone. I want you to know that. Say, I am saved by faith alone. By grace, through faith, we are saved. James comes along and says it's not just by faith, but it's faith and works. And what is he talking about? And you see, James and Paul, they were both right they're talking about two different things. Paul was fighting a problem of legalism. The problem that I got to keep all these Jewish traditions, like circumcision. Could you imagine? You guys know how like in, in our, the way that we do church, we, we do altar calls and, and people accept Christ, right, every Sunday. And then I would say, okay, all the men, if you accepted Christ today, Abraham is in the back room with a dull knife. You got to go get circumcised. That's kind of weird. That's what they were doing back in the day. And Paul's like saying, this is crazy. It's not about works. It's about faith. All right? This is what Paul was struggling with. And now James, writing another book in the Bible, speaking to a completely different audience, he's not fighting legalism, but he's fighting looseness of faith. Christians that say, hey, as long as I'm Christian, I can do whatever I want. As long as I'm Christian, I could live this way. I could do these things. I can act in certain ways. As long as I have faith. 
See, and so James is now fighting this different type of, of issue. And so they're fighting two different enemies, legalism and looseness of faith. And so both use the word works in different ways. When Paul uses the word works, he's talking about the Jewish law. Again, like circumcision and stuff like that. And when James uses it, he's talking about lifestyle. He's talking about acts of love. It's totally different. You see, here at Love Unlimited, loving the forgotten is our call. So many of us have been part of the outreaches that we do. Hundreds of people come out and we go and we love this city and we serve this city because that is our call, that is our heart. That's what what James is talking about. Paul focuses on the root of salvation, what happens internally, and James is focusing on the fruit of salvation, what happens on the outside. Jesus himself said, by your fruits, you will know them. Paul is talking about how to know that you're a Christian. James is talking about how to show that you are a Christian. Paul is talking about in this passage that faith alone, how do we become a believer? We, we accept Jesus. I, I believe that Jesus died for me. That's, that's how you become saved. And James talks about how do you behave now that you are a believer. It's not a contradiction. It's actually all summed up in Ephesians chapter 2. It says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith for a life of good works that God has already prepared for us to do. Three prepositions here. I gave my kids an English lesson on the way to school, uh, to church today. It's by grace, through faith, for good works. And so we've been saved by faith so that now we can live out our Christian life. See, and you gotta, if you get those out of order, you're going to get into trouble. What he's saying here is that you're saved by grace through faith. We're saved just by accepting God's gift. I want you to know that all of you in this room, if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus, doesn't have assurance of their salvation, all you got to do is say, God, Jesus, I believe in you. But how do I show now that I've made that decision that I am a follower of Christ? Because isn't that what we hate the most about people when they're, we used to call it when I was in high school, a poser? right? That you're just posing. And, and that was mostly like for guys that had like trick bikes or skateboards and they wore like, you know, they had the vans on, they had all the right clothes, and then you'd bring a skateboard by them and they'd be like, nah, man, I don't want to show off because he's a poser. All right, James is fighting that. He's saying, stop posing and start acting like a Christian. And so how do we know what real faith is? There's five steps. The first one is that real faith is not just something you say. Real faith is not just something that you say. James 2.14 says, What good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? He's not saying if he actually has faith. He's saying if he claims to have faith. He talks about it. He knows all the right phrases. How many people do you know him? And you talk to him, oh my God, he's a Christian. He knows the Bible. He knows what to say. Exactly. Have you heard him pray? But it's, the, Jesus said, they know me from their lips only, but from their heart they do not know me. Gallup did a poll and found out that 50 million Americans say, I am a born-again Christian. But you don't see anything in their lifestyle. This is a national poll. Today we tend to label people as Christians, even if they make the slightest sound or behavior. We hear a song and it says, oh, Jesus, take the wheel. She's got to be a Christian. You know, if someone says, oh, my God, oh. He's a Christian. Did you know that P. Diddy is a Christian? You know, or, or whatever. And it's like, how do you know he's a Christian? Oh, because he says that. Do you hear the other four words he says after that? Right? It's more than just talk. It's being involved in real faith. 
It's not just saying I'm a Christian. No me metas muela. Has anybody ever told someone, deja de meter muela? Stop, you know, talking smack. Jesus said this in Matthew 7. He says, nobody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody who wears a Christian bumper sticker or if he has a cross tattoo, you know, oh, that wrestler, he's got to be a Christian because he has a cross tattoo. See, not everybody who is a professor of Christianity is a possessor of Christianity. Can such faith save you if you know exactly what to say? Let me ask you a question. Do you know anybody who, named, who claims to be a Christian, but you don't see evidence of that in their life? Have you ever bumped into someone like that? I mean, it's probably the worst thing. I, I, I almost rather speak to someone who claims to be an atheist than someone who says, oh, I'm a Christian, and yet the way they live, the way they treat their family, the way they treat their kids, the way that they, they work. You know that the way that we treat our bosses also is an example of the type of person that we're going to be. The pilgrims, one of their, 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 their mottos was to work as if you were working for God. Whatever it is that you did, whether you were a farmer, whether you at the time there were even slaves and say, do it as if you're working for God and God is going to take care of you. God is going to protect you. So real faith is not just something you say. Real faith is not just something you feel. So people, I got to be a Christian. Oh my God, because I got the, Christ, the, the Holy Ghost goosebumps today when, when Pastor Mark was singing, oh, he loves us. Oh, I'm a Christian. I felt it. Right? Or how many times, you know what the problem is when it's not something you feel? What happens when you don't feel it? If being a Christian, if our relationship with God was based on our feelings, there are going to be days that we just don't feel it. I'm sure that there are mornings that you wake up and you don't feel like loving your husband. You don't feel like loving your wife. I say this to couples all the time. You know that love is a choice. Love is not a feeling. And so is your relationship with Jesus. It's not a choice. It's not, it's not a feeling. It is a choice. See, going back to marriage, there's a reason why they make you promise and sign a legal contract when you get married. Why? Because it's not easy to love someone. Many times it's not easy to be a Christian. But when you live it out, you will get the crowds and the people, the, your neighbors, your friends saying, Oh my gosh, I want to be just like them. Did you see how they acted when their life was falling apart? Did you see how they acted when they lost that loved one, the strength and the faith that they had? That's what being a Christian is. Verse 15, James gives us an illustration. He says this, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? What good is it? There's this Peanuts cartoon. I, I, I believe I have it right here. And so Linus and Charlie are inside the house and they're all warm and they, they see Snoopy. They see Snoopy outside and, and Snoopy's freezing. And so they come out and they tell him, be of good cheer. And then they walk away. And we know that Charles Schwartz, Schultz, Charles Schultz got his idea from this verse because he was a man of faith. See, what good is it if we see someone in need and you say, hey, I feel for you. Could you imagine if, you know, we're leaving today and, and I'm, I'm driving out in my car with my family and, and you just like ate it. You fell. You got blood coming down your face. And I roll down my window and I say, oh my gosh, I hope you're okay. I feel for you. And I leave. What would you do? 
You'd probably go live on Instagram right now. Pastor Mark is the biggest jerk ever. Look at this blood on my face. He just drove by me and said, I feel for you. Yet sometimes we do that. Someone's hurting him. Bro, I got you. I feel for you, man. Whatever you need. And then it's like you block them on your phone as soon as you say that because they're going to call you back, right? If I saw you hurting and I really felt for you, what would I do? I would help you. I would get down. I would put my wife immediately to work because she's a nurse. And I'd be like, babe, you know, I can't get dirty. I can't, but you're a nurse. I'll pray. You nurse, right? Real faith is more than just sympathy, a feeling, an emotion. It's you get assistance. You do something about it. You act on it. Real faith takes initiative. A real believer has real faith, and it's practical. We get involved. We get involved. We, we work together. See, when you become part of the family of God, you serve. You ask for responsibilities. Right now, some of you have been coming to church for a couple of weeks. You know what? I want to give you an opportunity to put your faith to work. Grab that Connect card, and there's a part that says, I want to serve. And just check that off. And I promise you, you're going to make my sister Lisa so happy because she's in charge of coordinating all the people that serve here at our church. Let's give it up for Lisa and all the hard work. She is a ninja from Monday through Saturday. She's on the phone. She's calling people. She, she, you know, you know what happened is that one time she, she felt like, man, uh, you know, Jasmine moved, Lito moved. And I'm like, well, I could put you to work. Then Lito moved back, and she's still working, right? So we got to get Lito out. Is that what we got to do next? First John 3.17 says this, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Wow. If we see someone in need and we don't care and we don't help them, the question is how can the love of God be in us? Real faith is generous. Real faith wants to give. Maybe this is a part of your life that you're struggling, trusting God with your finances and saying, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to give to you, not to a church, not to an organization. I'm going to give to you and trust that you're going to take my treasure and now it becomes your treasure and you're going to take care of me and my family. See, can someone count on you on a crisis? I mean, are you the first person in someone's mind when they're going through something? It's like, I'm struggling, let me call Pepe, right? Are you Pepe for somebody? Or it's like, man, no one ever calls me and asks me for help. And that, that should tell you something, right? How many Christians have the freedom to call you in the middle of the night in an emergency? I have friends in this room that I know that I can call at any time of the day. And they'd all pick up. They'd actually get upset if I didn't call them first. So I got to do like a party line and call four or five people at the same time. That's how blessed... I feel because I'm part of a family where people take care of me. You know what? Maybe for you is being part of a family, being connected with people, people that want to serve you and want to love you. See, when people heard that we were starting this church, a bunch of my friends started calling me, wherever you go, I go. I don't care. I, one lady told me, if, if you're starting a church in Orlando, I'm buying a condo in Orlando. And I'm like, but why? It's like, because when I had cancer, you were there. When my husband left me, you were there. So if you're going to Orlando, I'm going to be there. And I'm not saying that to talk about me. I'm just saying that, that this could be you too. If you feel sometimes alone, if you feel lonely, like, man, I, how about we just start loving people and caring for people without any, like, interest of what we're going to get in return. You see, sometimes we're so much better at verbalizing than practicing, at quoting Scripture 
but not living out Scripture. James 17 says this, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by actions, it's dead. You're not even sick if you're not living out your faith. You are dead. We are dead if we do not live out our faith. And so, if you want to have real faith, it's more than something you say, it's more than something you feel. Real faith, number three, it's not just something that you think. See, because sometimes we think that we can intellectualize our relationship with God. We memorize scripture. Some people even take online classes or go to Bible college, and yet they don't live out their faith. You know a lot of stuff. People take catechism, and they could quote prayers and and sermons. Yet when it comes to fleshing it out, they're just posing. Verse 18 says this, Someone will say, you have faith, and another will say, I have deeds. He's imagining an intellectual guy who says, see, you're into faith, I'm into works, all right? You go to church, and and you worship, and I'm just going to go out there and do good. We have friends like that, right? We have friends that that they want nothing to do with God. But if it's helping someone, if it's painting a house, if it's feeding people, see, that's part of, of the call that I felt God putting in my heart, too, is creating a space where the world and Christians could come together and do good, and we could agree on one thing. Hey, let's agree on works. But then in the midst of that, we're going to pray. We're going to share the gospel. And then when this person that wants nothing to do with God meets a bunch of Christians and they go through a difficulty in life, where are they going to go? They're going to come to you. And they're going to come to me. They're going to show up here at Love Unlimited and say, hey, you know what? I didn't believe in God, but I sweated with this group of people for hours. And they just love this family. And now I'm going through a difficulty, and I'm going to try God, and they're going to come here, and they're going to find Jesus if we begin to live out our faith. And not just begin, but continue to live out our faith. James 2.18 says this, But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. See, real faith is visible. You can see it. It's apparent. If you claim to be a Christian, but people don't see it, it's not visible. See, real faith is more than just something you think about. You can point it out and you can see it in people's lives. When my kids were little, I liked playing with them. I'm a jokester, okay? And I like saying crazy things. And, and, and I remember one day I, I, I told the boys that I bought them at Target, right? And if they didn't behave, I was going to return them. And they're looking at me like, you bought us at Target? And I'm like, yeah. How come we haven't seen other little kids at Target? I'm like, you know that back door in Target? That double door? When you go through there, you can pick a kid. And then they look at me and go, are you sure? They would say that. And then they would say, we're going to go ask mom. And I'm like, no, 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 don't ask mom. I didn't buy that Target. It was at Walmart, right? (laughs) Show me. You claim to have real faith. It's something more... And something you say, it's what you feel. It's more than something you think about. Can you prove it? 2 Corinthians 5 says this, Anytime a person becomes a Christian, he becomes a new person on the inside. And old things have passed away and all things become new. Isn't that refreshing? You become a Christian and the old passes away. How many things of our past do we still hold on to? Pain, habits, thoughts. You know, you don't need that in your life. You come to Jesus, you surrender those things, and he washes them away. It's not overnight. It's not overnight. 
but it begins to happen. Can I ask you a question? If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Think about that. If you were taken in for being a Christian and they took you to court, would there be enough evidence to convict, convict you? So if you say, I know it, then let's start to show it. All of us together. Imagine what we could do in this beautiful city of Miami. If this group right here, yeah, it's not a whole lot of us, but it's enough to change this city. If we would agree that we're not going to be like other people that claim to be Christians, but then they compromise in so many areas of their life, but they say, you know what? I'm going to live for Jesus regardless of what my friends say, regardless of what my family says. I am going to live for him 100%. I promise you that we will change this city. I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. But together, in Jesus' name, we can do it. Fourth thing is that real faith is not just something that you believe. You're like, oh, wait, I'm leaving. What do you mean? Real faith is not just something I believe? James 2.19 says this. You believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe and tremble. And so it's not just believing in God. See, there's a lot of people that have really strong beliefs in God, in the Bible, about Christ. They have the Bible memorized. They can tell you things about the Trinity. They can quote scripture. James says, big deal. Woohoo! Even the devil believes. Proverbs says that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And if there's one thing I could tell you about the devil, is that he's not a fool. The devil believes in God. The devil's a great theologian. He knows a lot more about the Bible than you and I could ever know. Why? Because he's lived it. He's seen it. He's probably been in the room when some of these guys were transcribing the Bible and writing the Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It says that they believe, the demons believe and shudder. The original translation, that word is like that feeling that you have when you're in a scary movie, a scary ride, or something terrible is happening that you're just like freaking out. Tremble at the thought of God. Why? Because the devil understands the majesty and the awesomeness of God. They believe in God and they tremble. The word believe in the Greek in this text is to trust in, to cling to, to rely on, to commit yourself completely you want me to tell you someone I, I believe in? Fidel Castro. He was real. I was born in this country because of him. Who else believes in Fidel Castro? Anybody else believes that he was a real person? That he's dead? Anybody glad that he's dead? I mean, is that okay for a pastor to say you're glad he's dead? But you know what? I'm not a communist. Right? So you can believe in someone, yet not live out his doctrine. I'm a Christian because I believe in Jesus but it's more than just head knowledge. A lot of folks are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. You're like, 18 inches, Mark. Where are you going with this? Yeah. They have Jesus here, but they don't have Jesus here in their heart. They say, I believe in God. And James says, big deal. Most people believe in God. Whenever a young lady comes to me and says, oh my gosh, Pastor Mark, praise the Lord. I found the guy. This happens a lot. I'm like, is he a Christian? He believes in God. And my new thing is like, okay, so he's a demon. It's like, pero, pero, how could you say that? I'm like, well, the Bible says that the demons believe in God. I mean, is he a Christian? Does he go to church? Does he have a Bible? 
I'm kind of scared that I have a daughter. And I remember I would say if I ever had a daughter, the first thing that I'm going to do is I, I want to see her boyfriend's Bible. And I want to make sure it's marked. And now like, I feel like no one has Bibles anymore. But what would that show me as evidence of someone that's spending time with the Word of God, that's marking the Word of God, that's living out the Word of God, that's serving God? So future boyfriend of Stella, if you're listening to an MP3, read your Bible, go to church, serve, love your mother. See, real faith is not just saying, I believe. It's not just something you do. It's not just something you say, you think, or feel. Or believe. What is real faith? Real faith is something that you do. And for the next couple of verses, James gives us an incredible illustration. And he tells us that real faith is something that you do. And sometimes we feel that I'm not good enough for God. Man, my past and my family and oh my gosh, my mouth, the things that I say, I can't even control them. There's no way that, that God would ever want anything to do with me. And James gives us two illustrations as two very different people, Abraham and Rahab, exact opposite in every way possible. Abraham was a man, and Rahab was a woman. Abraham was Jewish, Rahab was a Gentile. Abraham was a patriarch, father of the Jewish faith, father of our faith. Rahab was a prostitute. Abraham is somebody. Rahab is nobody. Abraham is a major character in the Bible. Rahab, minor character in the Bible. He uses these two illustrations and he says, it doesn't matter who you are as long as you got the important thing. The only thing that they had in common, the only thing they had in common was their faith in God. And their faith in God led them to an action. Verse 20 says, you foolish men talking to know-it-alls. Don't you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not your ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? His faith and his actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. Scripture was fulfilled when it said Abraham believed God. How do we know it? We saw it. He behaved in a way that went with what he believed. It was visible. Abraham believed God. And it was accredited to him as righteous. And he was called God's friend. And you guys know the story. Abraham was, was asked to sacrifice his son. And he gets the land. He gets the wood. And, and he gets all the things that he needs to start this fire and this altar. And he's walking up the hill. And he says that God's going to provide and he also tells Isaac that we will return, not I will return. He had faith that God, even if his son did die, that God would resurrect his son. But at the moment that he was about to sacrifice his son, he was held back by an angel. And Rahab, there's a story in Joshua chapter 2. She's a prostitute that helps a couple of Jewish spies as they were coming into Jericho to take over the city. And what's amazing about the life of this prostitute is she ends up being in the family line of Jesus. He redeemed her the same way that he redeemed me, the same way that he redeemed so many of you that he could change your life today. See, our faith is not determined by what we do. It is demonstrated 
by what we do. I'm going to say that again. Our faith is not determined by what we do. You can act like a Christian, but if you don't believe, it's useless. All right? So our faith is not determined by what we do. It is demonstrated by what we do. So in 1859, there was this crazy guy by the last name Blondin that said he was going to cross Niagara Falls. All right? Some of you have probably heard of him. One of the first guys to do it, he sets the tightrope up, and it's the day that he's going to do it. And as he's walking on the tightrope, there's crowds on the Canadian side, on the American side, and, and he's like in the middle, like inch by inch, step by step, and now he's standing in the center of Niagara Falls, and then he what? He doesn't fall. He makes it to the other side. Not only does he make it to the other side, he comes back, and then he gets a wheelbarrow that's full of sand, and he pushes it across like nine times, the tenth time, the tenth time, he uh, is pushing the wheelbarrow now by a tourist. And the tourist says, man, you could do this all day and never fall. And then he tells the tourist, okay, get in the wheelbarrow with me. And the, and the tourist is like, no, I'm not going to get in the wheelbarrow. Are you crazy? See, that's how it is with us. Oh, I believe God could do this. I believe that there's nothing better than being a Christian and living out your faith and going to church on Sunday and telling your neighbors about Jesus and being involved with what God is doing in our city, in our church, in our community, in our workplace. To letting people know that we love God and living for God even when it's hard. Even when it's difficult. Not losing your faith. Get in the wheelbarrow. Trust God. Start living out your faith. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite everybody to close their eyes. I want you to talk with God right now. Say, God, show me. Are there areas in my life that I need to change? Are there areas in my life that I am doubting? Things in my life that, man, I, I shouldn't be doing this. I know that it's not the right thing and I'm kind of getting away with it. Relationships, business decisions. Or maybe you thought that it was just good enough to come to church. Jesus wants to do so much in your life. Jesus created you for so much more than what you're doing. You could say, my life is good now. Your life can be so much better if you surrender your life 100% to Him. One of my favorite lines of of the song that we sang today is that there's no mountain that he won't climb there's no wall that he won't break down for you maybe you feel like you're in darkness right now it's just you're in a weird place you don't understand maybe you feel like God is silent right now he's ready to light up your life and bring joy back into your life and bring answers back into your life. And all you need to do is put your faith into action. You got it in your head. Now bring it down to your heart and start living it out. So in a moment, Tanya's going to lead us in a song. And, and I'm going to come down to the bottom here. And if you want to rededicate your life to Jesus and say, you know what, I'm a Christian, but yeah, there's areas in my life that I, I'm not living 100% for God. And I want to recommit my life. 
And you may say, well, why do I need to come to the front? You know why? Because this is like you're creating a moment in your life that you could look back to. Because I want to pray with you. I want to agree with you. I want to believe that God is going to do more in your life with you. And so if you're here, as the band starts to sing, I'm going to invite you to come up and I'm going to pray for you if you want to rededicate your life to Christ. Maybe there's some of you here that need to give your life to Jesus, 100%. Yeah, you believe in God. But you can't look back to a moment when you said, yeah, this is the day that I decided to give everything to God and follow God with everything that I have. And so as the band plays, I'm going to invite you to come up. Maybe you just need someone to pray for you. I'd love to do that as well. So if you're here today and that's you, I'm going to challenge you to put your faith into action and take this step and let's pray together. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this podcast has ministered to you and you would like to help us continue reaching people that need to be inspired by the Word of God, please consider making a donation at GodLovesMiami.com. That's GodLovesMiami.com. And we'll see you next time on the God Loves Miami podcast.